Hello, hi, I'm Zanzi, and welcome back to the Health Boom Zanzi podcast, episode 100, proudly brought to you by Health Boom Zanzi. I'm your host, Joe, and I'm so excited to walk this health and wellness journey with you. Remember, nothing is of limits. In today's discussion, we focus on the topic of children being either overweight or obese. The stats marks 13% of 0 to 5 years old being obese according to the South African Demographic and Health Survey of 2016. To give a valuable contribution to this discussion, we chat to Dr. Chantal Witten. She is the Senior Lecturer in the Department Division Community Pediatrics. We chat all things contributing factors to child obesity and what we need to know so that we can do and eat better. Dr. Witten, what do the stats tell us or what are the stats for children with obesity in South Africa? What are we looking at? Well, we usually use a national figure. So this national figure comes from 2016 where we had our, we call it the South African Demographic and Health Survey. So this is the most recent data. And the data from 2016 tells us for all children under five that we've got about 13% of our children are overweight or obese. When we say overweight, that means they are too heavy for their age. 13% is almost three times the acceptable level set by the World Health Organization. So the World Health Organization says that it's acceptable up until 5% for a country to have children under the age of five, overweight or obese, if it's more than 5%, it's of public health concern. You can see that ours is quite high. The terrible thing is that from our last survey of 2008 to 2016, our obesity rate has increased. And the highest increase we've seen is for children zero to two years. So at the moment, We have about 16% of our children are overweight or obese for children under two. That is a very shocking and very high level to have. Definitely. And especially with your children between zero and two, for most people, that would kind of be an unlikely age group. You would think maybe the older children would maybe be the most vulnerable. Absolutely, Joanne. This brings us to the field that I work in, which is infant and young child feeding. So we often overlook that overweight and obesity because you first overweight before you become obese starts in early feeding. So we're talking from the very beginning of feeding, which is breastfeeding. That is the healthiest and the optimal way to feed a baby. But unfortunately, in South Africa, our breastfeeding rates are so low and the majority of our children are fed on formula. And formula has been scientifically proven over and over to be directly related to overweight and obesity as children grow because the formula is also one, it is a high energy ultra processed food. So you would have seen there's been a lot of discussion about ultra processed foods Mm -hmm. and how ultra processed foods lead to obesity. So for young children, that ultra-processed food is starting at formula feeding. Two, it's easy to over-consume on formula 
because it's so easy to just put a baby down with a bottle and gravity helps that baby complete the bottle. Mm-hmm. But if the baby is on the breast, the baby actually physically has to suck and use energy to actually get its feed from the breast. But with a bottle, it's literally gravity that helps the baby complete the bottle. Moms are very easily not reading the directions of the formula, how to make it and how much to feed. And so moms are making bottles upon bottles and babies yeah. are completing bottles. So it's easy to overfeed when you formula feed. So that's where our overweight and obesity starts. You want to be really careful when you diagnose a child is either overweight or obese. But what are the things that you look at? Because I would imagine that, you know, sometimes when children are just a bit chubbier when they are much younger. So what are those telltale symptoms that you look at to diagnose a child as either overweight or obese? So for the children under the age of two, the good thing is that in South Africa, when the baby is born, the baby is also given a road to health booklet. Mm -hmm. And the baby's weight is plotted on a curve. And that curve helps us to see whether the baby is increasing in weight or decreasing in weight. And the majority of our children are growing at a rapid rate, which means that their curve is always moving in an upward direction. And that tells us the rate of weight being gained. And often that weight is being gained quite fast month to month. So you'll see that rate going up quite quickly. The other way that moms can see if their babies are gaining too much weight is usually you will hear a mommy say, oh, my baby's six months, but he's already wearing clothes one to two years. Yeah. So that already tells you that the baby is too big. And for the age, it is way ahead of its weight size if it's wearing clothes one to two years. I've also heard moms very proudly saying, my child is only 10, but she's already wearing clothes 13 to 14. (laughs) Usually that's because they are too big. Mm -hmm. So we know that weight, we can weigh on a scale and you can measure against a curve. And if the baby is above that curve, your baby is gaining weight or your child is gaining weight. Two, you can physically see a chubby baby and an overweight child. You can look at the clothes size if they are wearing bigger sizes than the age, then they are already on the curve of being overweight or obese. Many of these children also have breathing problems because of the excess weight that they carry. They don't like to be physically active. So many of our overweight children under five, parents complain because they don't want to walk. They want to be carried or they're still pushing them in a pram or they're using Mm -hmm. trolleys to pull them around. And so the inactivity also adds to the weight gain. And these children have got chronic pain because they are heavy on their legs and they tend to have muscle pains as well. And they complain because they are heavy and they they can't play, they can't run, they can't enjoy themselves. So we call that morbidity. So that tells you that not only are they looking unwell, but they also feel unwell. Definitely. That state of lack of health and wellness, definitely, like you said now, they cannot breathe properly, but affects their mobility as well. So you can definitely see the influence or the impact the current state has in their day-to-day living and movement and well-being. So, and it's very sad because the reality is that an overweight toddler becomes an overweight child, becomes an overweight adolescent, becomes an overweight adult. And yeah. we know that with obesity, 
that their chances and their risks of having a non-communicable disease like diabetes, like hypertension, and other cardiovascular disease increases as their weight increases. And so the cost is not only in childhood, the cost is also in adulthood. Yes. It's also medical costs because they'll be spending more money on medicines to keep them healthy. They will be spending more money because they're more sickly, so they'll be out of work more often. And they will not have the quality of life that they should have. So when we do analysis of the cost of disease, we call that disability-adjusted life years. So when you are overweight, you're actually shortening your life expectancy and you are losing out on the number of years that you could be living. So premature death is very closely related to your overweight and obesity. Dr. Witten, earlier on, you touched on contributing factors between zero and two years old. When you look at children a bit older than that, or you touched on it as well, what are the contributing factors to obesity in the age groups older than two years old? And maybe touching on social contributing factors. The largest contributing factor is always the diet. So we look at the Mm. quality of the diet. So often in children, and I'm talking about children now, even under two, who are being fed early and the kinds of foods that they're being fed are usually high in sugar or high in fat. And both those components of the diet is energy dense. So there's more energy than what children are expanding, meaning that they're not putting out the energy. They're not burning up the energy. They're storing that energy. And that's usually because, one, the food is energy dense. For example, if I give you porridge and I add butter to your porridge and I add cremora and a little bit of milk, the butter and the cremora is obviously energy dense. So that child is getting an energy dense meal. That child is also not very active. So that child is not moving around, is not being playing outside or climbing and clambering. It's basically sitting in front of the TV and we know that Screen time is also related to how much sedentary or inactive time that children have. So the more screen time they have, the less energy they're burning. Like I said, the diet, then we look at physical activity. And if the children are not exercising three times a week with play, with engaged physical activity, then they are not burning up that energy and that energy gets stored. And then also children need to be taught what is healthy eating, especially when it comes to drinking sugar-sweetened beverages. So our fizzy drinks, many children don't like to drink water. And so the parents are always buying fizzy drinks or energy drinks, sweetened beverages. All of that is energy. And if they're not using that energy, that energy gets stored. Dr. Witten, do you think the factors that you mentioned now, is it due to a lack of education? For example, if you have to take a look at, you know, diet, and you just mentioned now physical things, is it because families, communities, parents do not have the education or is it just, you know, convenience that this is what I'm giving my child? I think it's both, Joanne, because Mm -hmm. one, We would expect that when you are informed and you can make an informed decision that you would choose a healthier option. So firstly, I think often parents are really pressed for convenience. They're pressed for guilty purchasing for their children. 
They pest my what we call the pester power. So children pester their parents. Mommy, I want. Mommy, I want that. So <laughs> parents give into that pester power. And secondly, parents are not well informed about what's healthy eating. I've always seen that moms think that buying their children yogurt is a healthy option. But if they knew that they need to read the labels, and if the label contained the word sugar in the first three ingredients, then it's too high in energy. And many of our non-dairy products have added sugar in it, have added fat. And so they become energy-dense foods. So when you, again, parents are not generally well-informed. In fact, the South African population is not well-informed when it comes to dietary knowledge and good dietary knowledge. We often make decisions on price. So if mm -hmm. it's cheap, then we buy it. Often the cheap foods are the most unhealthy foods. Again, we have more than 60% of our population living below the poverty line. So that means that they're not spending money on high-quality foods because those high-quality foods are actually expensive foods. So it's got to do with our poverty that, you know, most households are facing. But also, like we said now, there isn't good nutrition literacy out and practices. And we can see that just by looking at the population. South Africa, about 68% of women are overweight or obese. That number is quite high, that percentage. It's very high. It yeah. puts us in position number one when we look at global rates of obesity. Dr. Witten, it can be somewhat of a gloomy picture, but how do we address this? How do we get children to kind of make healthier eating options, but at the same time not wanting children to live by numbers in terms of, you know, like eating this many calories or I shouldn't be eating that, you know, without creating sort of a pressure on kids. But how do we address the problem? the 13% problem that we currently have. So, and it comes down to the parents because often children aren't making those choices themselves. So firstly, parents need to be well informed about good diet habits. For years now, we've been talking about a public health nutrition literacy program. America has got Eat Right America. India's got Eat Well India. We need something for South Africa because we are one of few countries where our bad indicators are going up. Obesity is going up. Stunting is going up. Our NCDs are going up. Even in young children, that's a problem for us. So we need to really invest in good nutrition education and literacy. The second thing is we need to teach our children good habits. It's imperative. I cannot emphasize this more. But if South Africa does not improve its breastfeeding rates, we cannot crack the nut of obesity. Because sure. formula feeding fuels overweight and obesity. It starts in early childhood. You don't get fat adults without having fat children, without having fat babies. And we yeah. have fat babies. So every effort must be made to support breastfeeding. That means breastfeeding at home, the community support for breastfeeding, breastfeeding in the workplace. And a passion of mine now is breastfeeding in public spaces. South Africa does not have a very conducive environment for moms to practice breastfeeding. They make it very hard for moms. Two, good dietary habits. And those good dietary habits start with things like moms need to give their children the correct portion size. I cannot tell you how often I've been to early childhood centers and they feed the nine-month-old the same amount of food as a one-year-old. You can see that's a problem. Portion size is also 
means that when you are at home, you offer your child a biscuit, not a packet of biscuits. You may have a packet that has three biscuits in it, but that's not a portion. A portion is one biscuit. But children are eating packets of biscuits. I've seen also children going with 150 grams of chips in their bag. That's not a portion size. We've not been able to identify what is a serving size and what is a packaging size. So we need to teach children not to add additional calories to their food. So adding things like mayonnaise, adding sauces, adding margarine to the vegetables, adding oil-based dressings to their food. All of these are additional Mm -hmm. calories. Sure. And then teaching our children to drink more water and to reduce sugar-sweetened beverages, including the cordials. I mean, if you just look at how much cordials parents buy for their children, and that is added energy again. And then finally, to get our children to be physically active. Families should be physically active. So moms should be encouraged to go with their families, their mothers and fathers to go walking at least three times a week, get your child physically active. Get your child into physical activity like playing sport, like dancing. All of these contribute to maintaining a healthy weight. So relevant for today. Get children to put the tablet down, the cell phone down and go play outside. Go play in the tree. Absolutely. I think too few children are actually playing outside and climbing trees and being physically active. There's a lot of screen time. So children are spending a lot of time on their tablets, on their phones and in front of computers. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the Health for Mzansi podcast. For more on our child obesity chat, check out healthformzansi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical jam or just curious about some health and wellness trends, you can send an email to hello at healthformzansi.co.za or send a message to 076-132-0454. Yeah, we're on Blue Tick. So there you have it, girls and guys. Now that we know better, spread the good word and do better. A healthy lifestyle is all about an holistic approach which encourages us to make nutritious and conscious food decisions and to keep moving. Till next time, keep well and stay healthy. Signing out, your girl Joe.